Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Dan, special guest. I made it to the darts in one piece. Somehow, I'm standing next to the Stay Pump Michelin Man. Woke up in the middle of the night. Saw that the Islanders somehow beat the fucking Vegas Golden Knights. After losing the Coyotes, the game which I listened to on the fucking plane. And that very weird experience listening to Chris King call a hockey game while you're on the plane. Now I got the Islanders jersey on at the darts. It's the most bizarre place I think I've ever been in my life. Hudson Patrick scored somehow. He's killing it. Love you guys. Love love the Islanders. Hate the Islanders. Love everybody for listening. I'll send some pics and videos. This is fucking nuts. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. As you heard off the top of the show, Michael Leboff is on assignment this week at the World Darts Championship at the Alexandra Palace, the Alley Pally, as they call it in London. It is a very strange place, and we'll have many questions when Mike gets back. But uh, in Mike's absence, we have called in our favorite pinch hitter and utility man, our friend, Carrie Haber. Carrie, what's going on? Hey, Dan. It's good to be here. Proud to be the special guest. Very excited. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, it's always great having you on and a happy first night of Hanukkah to you and yours. Uh, we appreciate you coming on with us at this festive time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so we have some Islanders games to cover uh, uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, one uh, loss in a, in a shootout. One absolutely abjectly awful loss that we'll talk about uh, at length, I'm sure. And then one surprising win, I guess. Uh, against uh, three very different opponents. Uh, it was a very, very strange week. Uh, I mean, where, what is right now, sort of, I guess, in the general sort of macro sense, how are you feeling about the Islanders right now? We'll get to their place in the standings uh, at the end when we talk about them. But like, what's kind of your, your feeling towards the team as they sit right now as we speak on December 18th? Uh, kind of in a continuous state of confusion, which is like my favorite place to be with the. And there's your title. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like they they really did not start off well. They're still like just really bleeding chances against, at least with the public data, which you know I think is at this right. point somewhat. It doesn't really fill in all of the gaps that it you know probably should, but it's directional enough where we can say like, hey. You know, this team defensively is like really taking a lot of steps back and offensively, they've really taken a lot of steps forward. And that's kind of a weird thing. I think it goes to show that, you know, clearly there's a giant change behind the bench this year and that has translated into a certain stylistic change. And I think what they've really hedged on is like, we do have some offensive talent here. Let's let them shine as much as they can. And like the fact of the matter is we do have a really good goaltending tandem. So we really need to lean into that. And they certainly have done that. I, I think it's a little bit of a fragile strategy in a sense, because like, I just felt like the Barry Trotz way of playing the system is very repeatable. And when it, you have a repeatable process, it does tend to lead to less mistakes. This is a little all over the map. And, <laughs> you know, as this team is now in like the next stage of their like life cycle, um, I'm just not clear that there's going to be enough there to make up mm -hmm. for for a lot of what they're giving up defensively. So I think confused. Um, they do seem to play better when they give up more chances, but that also could be goaltending thing, right? Like Sorokin, mm -hmm. Varlamov getting to a rhythm. I think that's kind of an unexplored concept. When you do have elite goaltending, what does that actually look like? Can you play a counterattacking style effectively? Rangers certainly did that for years. Uh, behind mm. Henrik Lundqvist so I you know I think confused right like I think there's still mm. a lot of outstanding questions on who these guys really are yeah and and the craziest thing to me about being confused and I 100% agree with you I think that's a great way of putting it is that like Mike and I talk about this all the time this roster has really not changed all that much over the last 10 years so I think that adds to the confusion like you're almost like we've seen you guys play better <laughs> uh and yet here we are in this very strange way you know finding a seeing a team that gives up a lot of chances gives up you know a lot of grade a chances uh all of a sudden can't kill a penalty which is very strange uh you know I, they used to be very strong on the pk and they were in fact earlier this season and now all of a sudden you know a power play uh, against them seems to end up in a goal every time, but let's go through all these, these three games. And again, each one kind of confusing and confounding in their own way. Um, the first was a four, three loss to the Boston Bruins in a shootout up at TD garden. They started out great. The Islanders started out the game 
like as the better team. And then all of a sudden Jake DeBrusque scores two goals in 17 seconds. And you're just like, man, come on. <laughs> this team has been the best home team in, in the league right now. What are we doing here? But Josh Bailey kind of got lucky off a of deflection, uh, made a two one at the end of the first and Noah Dobson tied it. And then they get a power play. It's maybe the worst power play I've ever seen in my entire life, or certainly one of the worst, and it ends in Tarek Forbert shorthanded goal for the Bruins and, and a 3-2 lead. And you're just like, huh, you know, they there have been moments in this game where they've played really well. What is happening right now? Casey Sezikis ties it, uh, kind of floats one over the pads of um, uh, the, the goalie who uh, I'm forgetting now. Uh, uh, oh, it's uh, Linus Olmok, sorry. And... Um, and then Varlamov comes up huge on a, on a save by Pasenak. Varlamov ended up playing uh, two of these games, which I guess we'll get to in a minute because uh, Sorokin, maybe not so so hot lately. Um, OT was mostly Bruins, but the Islanders had a couple of chances. And then in the shootout, it was DeBrusque and Pasenak and Matt Barzell for the Islanders. Um, you know, there are good points and bad points and sort of good wins and, and good losses. Um, I would have categorized this as a good point. You know, there's kind of you know, forces working against the Highlanders, bounces that weren't going their way, obviously a terrible power play, which is an ongoing problem, but they, you know, give them credit for fighting back and getting a point in, in Boston, which is a tough place to get a point and kind of keeping the wolves at bay a little bit. And we'll talk about how, what the rest of the division is doing uh, in a little bit. So, uh, you know, I would, a win would have been obviously fantastic, but I would categorize this as a good point because they had to come back. They played a really good team. Wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Barlamov looked really shaky, but he came up huge on that save by, by on, uh, on Hall, on Pasternak uh, in the third. Uh, and he was good when he was needed to be. He made 30 saves. So I thought it was a pretty good point. And uh, I left that game feeling pretty good, despite the, again, confusion <laughs> that happened sort of within it. Uh, what, what did you, I mean, you were actually also on assignment, quote unquote, uh, during this game. Did you get a chance to, watch a replay of it and take a look at it. I was on assignment. I, and I did see like highlights and stuff like that. And I think the biggest takeaway I have is like you, it's, it's like this team kind of falls into what I would very nicely define as Doug weight happenstance. And that <laughs> is like two goals in 17 seconds. The same guy like that. I felt like that was like straight out of 2017, 18. Yeah. For um, sure. And it's stuff like that that I really, like, you know I'm a process guy. And when I see things like that, I do think through, like, okay, what mm. what is it that is leading to these kinds of things happening? And this isn't the first time this season, like, some wild stuff has happened right. to the Islanders in the span of a couple of, you know, seconds. And, uh, you, you know, I, I never, ever think with this team in a million years that it's an effort thing. I think they've proven time and time again that they will do whatever they humanly can to be successful but and and so you know when when stuff like that happens i do think there was like okay are there gaps between either communication or systematically like what is happening here that is you know allowing these things to happen again you it happens one time two times three times to happen under trust right you throw it out it's an anomaly these things happen right. but this year it's happening a little bit more frequently than it has in the last couple of years and again, like the more you move into that Doug Waite happenstance style of play, the less, I, th I would say the less predictable it is, the more volatile it is. And again, it goes back to the point of like, hey, let's hedge on our goalies and see if they can actually take us as far as 
you know, their talent level goes. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's just in this, in this day and age, I'm not clear that that's actually a real sustainable way to play. I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to get to this later, but we'll get to it now because you did bring it up. Um, I, I have a theory myself. It's not really a process. I, I'm You're a process guy. I'm more of a, how would this work in a movie kind of guy? Uh, and uh, I was thinking about this while watching the, the game the, uh, in Vegas that we'll talk about, because I agree with you. I don't think it's ever an effort problem with the Islanders. I, th- I think that they are generally a hardworking team. Uh, we've seen them beat good teams. You know, we'll get to again that game against Vegas, and you know they came within really a shootout goal of of beating the Bruins, which is you know pretty impressive. But I have this theory that the Islanders have been playing together for so long. Mike and I obviously joked a couple episodes ago that everybody's you know godfathers to their teammates' kids. Everybody's like uncle this and uncle that. That and they've played together for so long. They know each other so well, and they have kind of got this ingrained bend but don't break philosophy they talk about on the broadcast barry trotz talked about it i'm sure lane lambert has talked about it Uh, scott mayfield talked about it after the uh the vegas game they have this idea that well we can bend we can bend we can bend and not break and it leads to like unforced bending like and so you know i've again we're skipping ahead to the vegas game but like there were times in that game when when the Golden Knights were pouring it on and like Anthony Bovillier gets the puck and he just sort of dumps it into the, his own zone's corner. I guess assuming that some other Islander is going to come get it, but it just starts to cycle for the Knights all over again. And then a few minutes later, Oliver Wallstrom has the puck on his stick. He's kind of skating towards the blue line to carry it out. And he kind of just stops and some Golden Knight just takes the puck off his stick and he throws it back in the zone and the cycle starts all over again. It's just they're they are so like trusting of each other that they just keep doing these stupid things where they spend whole games in their own zone because they just assume they're gonna their friend is gonna bail them out. And sometimes they just don't get bailed out, and it's kind of stuff like this where like you know they'll have a power play at a key moment in the game, and it's just the worst power play you've ever seen because everybody else is just sort of like whipping it around and hoping that another guy is there, and then it ends up in a in a shorthanded goal against, and you're just like, what are you doing out there? But then they just come back and score again, <laughs> the opening the, the, the next period. That so that's my kind of feeling is like I think they just trust each other so much that every mistake just ends like being ends up being like, well, you know, what let what's his face take care of it? He'll, he'll take care of it for me, and I'll take care of his mix, mistake for him. And at some point, it's like, guys, why don't we just stop making mistakes? <laughs> why don't we just stop dumping things into the corner? Why don't we stop not being able to break the puck out? Why don't we stop? spending all game in our own zone and get it out of there. I don't know. Does that, does that make any sense to you? Am I, am I making any, is this at all? Again, this is not process stuff. This is not number stuff. This is just like, it just feels like these guys just, they don't, they don't mind spending time in their own zone, but it just ends up biting them at some point. And I hate it. I just hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back to the point before, like you kind of have to hypothesize a little bit in the sense of like, they just spent the last four years of their career being, like level of detail being drilled into their brains on a daily basis the like over and over and over that system that trots you know ran here was incredibly detailed they all talked about it and this Mm. one again pros and cons right but this one doesn't seem as i would say like yeah as detailed i don't i don't quite know how else to put it so like if Mm. if you're going to sacrifice some of that like rigid level of systematic play 
to allow for more creativity, that's cool. But what's the downside of that is you kind of get this. And when these guys, to your point, have all played together now for as long as they have, yeah, you have that inherent level of trust. And I think you're right. Like these guys do have that. But if you don't have that, I know I need to do this in this situation process behind that. It's going to, I mean, you are going to lead, it is going to lead to miscommunication. I don't think it's a like, I think you, this is one of those things where you can kind of translate it into like regular work life, right? Like you have to, you know, <laughs> these guys have best of intentions. They're trying to do what they yeah. can for the teams to succeed. I think like that's very clear, but it's very clear with these guys. But if they don't really know what to do and all in every scenario, it's going to lead to some messes. And I think when you go from like a coach that stressed that every player, no matter what role you have, needs to know what to do in every scenario to, you know, look, I don't know. Like we're not in the room. I don't know what Lambert is preaching. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what kind of level of details going into, you know, this system, it's definitely been a change in system. That is like abundantly yeah. clear. I mean, that's just, you just watch them play. <laughs> so maybe it's some of that. Um, but I mean, I do think there is a, there is something to like, you are defense and rigidness in a system sometimes get conflated as one thing. Um, I don't know where that line actually starts and ends just like not being in the room or not really being, you know, having that level of expertise, but I think if the if the motion of the year, which they've all said is we need to drive more offense with the players that we've had, you're sacrificing something by doing that. And I think the question is, are they sacrificing too much defensively at this point because that level of like rigid like rigid level of system is not there? That that would be the question that I have that neither of us can answer, but it's certainly <laughs> what I've been thinking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I think we can answer that based on their game in Arizona. And that is that they are sacrificing too much <laughs> in terms of, uh, of offense uh, or defense, I should say, because they, after the game against the Bruins, which again, you know, they lost, but it's a feel good point. Really. They go to Arizona. It's they're playing in mullet arena in front of, you know, whatever, 3,500 people. We all had our jokes and everything like that. And uh, the Coyotes were coming off of their, you know, 14 game road trip. They won the first four and then lost 11 or something like that, whatever it was Brendan said. And you would never know that this team was one of the worst in the league because honestly, they were great uh, against the Islanders. The Islanders were, were pretty good in the first 15 minutes. And then uh, and they made it two nothing. Uh, Sebastian Ajo scored. And then uh, uh, Barzell kind of jammed it under the goalie. And then. The Coyotes got a power play, and from that point to the end of the game, this is like, you know, again, five minutes before the end of the first period, to the end of the game, it was pretty much all Coyotes, and it was infuriating. <laughs> like, uh, one of you know, one puck bounced off of Scott Mayfield. That was Shane Gossis Bear's goal to make it 2-1. Second was all Coyotes. Clayton Keller, uh, Nick Bugstad scored in 14 seconds. So we had two goals in 17 for one guy against Boston. Then we got two goals in 14 seconds from two separate guys. Uh, against the Arizona. Uh, welcome back, Kyle Palmieri. He scored, but then he ended up leaving the game uh, with, I guess, another upper body injury. He he would not play against the the Golden Knights. And then um, Lane looked pissed. He looked pissed when it was, uh, I guess, three uh, two or whatever it was. No, it was three three. But uh, Lane Lambert was hugely pissed off. Like he was not in a good mood. Uh, Travis Boyd 
just jam the puck underneath Ilya Sorokin. Very strange uh, goal for Sorokin to give up. And then it was Keller again, uh, this time deflecting off of Alex Romanov. So uh, Anthony Bovillia made it close. He made it 5-4, very close to the end. But this was not a good performance by really anybody, even Ilya Sorokin. He, he made 24 saves, but boy, he did not look great. And this team has lost two games this season to the Coyotes. They got shut out, obviously, at, at UBS. Nobody's going to forget that. But I'm just watching this, and I'm like, what are we doing out here? What is the plan? Why are we, like, kind of – why are we treating the Arizona Coyotes with this much – I hate to use this word, but, like, why are we treating them with this much respect? Like, why, are, why aren't we taking it to them? Why aren't we – you know, they had a great first 15 minutes. Why have we all of a sudden decided to step back and we can't get the puck out of zone? They can't, you know, make a pass. They can't do anything all of a sudden. And, and before you know it, they lost 5-4. And we're going to joke in a second about how people were kind of online, like, oh, my God, the season is over. But if this team misses the playoffs by one or two points, which, again, is not an unrealistic possibility, you're going to look back at two games against the Arizona Coyotes where you got zero points and be like, yeah, that was probably a mistake. Like, <laughs> just i can't put it any other way like these are games you got to win dude like i don't you know if you're gonna lose two games to coyotes i don't know if you know you deserve to make the playoffs like come on it's just we all have bad nights but this this should not have been that night i don't i don't understand um no you're right an infuriating game (laughs) you're right these are these are points that i mean we've seen this time and time again these are points that you regret dropping and it's not meant to be a disrespect to the coyotes but like yeah, I mean, simple fact of the matter is, like, this is a team that's not, you know, high up in the standings. And right. if you are fighting for that wild card spot, that means any, every point that you lose to these teams that are towards the bottom of the standings means you have to take points away from teams that are closer to the top of the standings. And that, right. that becomes a much harder proposition. I think sometimes this team, like, gets shocked Pikachu face whenever Ilya Sorokin does <laughs> it. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know, they go up to nothing. And, you know, I think, again, obviously, the two quick goals we've touched on this, they happen again. And already, you're just like, what? And then furthermore, um, you know, I, I think it's a confidence thing in a lot of ways, right? Like if mm. this team has always fed in a lot of ways off of having high confidence, right? Like yeah. we've we've been through all these like conversations about the public facing analytics and all that. But like at the end of the day, I think there's, there's gaps in, in Mm. there. And, and moreover, like if you watch this team play on a long, you know, for (laughs) long-term basis and have like a large sample of games to pick from, you can see, like, I remember, I think every single year that the Islanders have made the playoffs. There's been a conversation in late March, early April because they've been struggling. And the conversation mm-hmm. is those, can they flip the switch? Can they do it? <laughs> and then they get, they get a good game right. in game one. And then like they get the confidence back and suddenly, you know, they're an incredible team. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's obviously like not apples to apples to where we are right now. But I do think like this team and every, every team really does feed off of some level of confidence. That's how streaks become streaks in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, right now this team is kind of feeling it, not in a good way, mm. right? Like Sorokin, I think has lost right. five games in a row now. I think there's, yeah. they're in one and I, that's going to happen for sure. Uh, it happens to every team, but like, this is where you do have to rely on and not to hammer this point, but like, you do have to rely on like the fundamentals and does this team fundamentally have the system in place 
to get past that. I mean, they won last night. They didn't play incredibly well, but they did enough to win. Varlamov was incredible last night. That's been their formula all year. And so I think, again, it just goes back to that outstanding question of can the goaltend, like, well, is it's basically, is this team going to go as far as their goaltending takes them? And I'm kind of leaning towards yes to that, Mm. but yeah, there's still, I mean, there's obviously still time in the season to, to see that there or not, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they do see seem to be a team that is incredibly reliant on their goaltending being incredible almost on a nightly basis. Yeah. And when it's not, as you said, uh, against, you know, a, a team like Arizona, you get the shocked Pikachu face and, and yeah, I don't know what's, what's going on with Sorokin. Like he still looks like he's making saves, but he just ain't coming up with the wins and it's really, really shocking. Um, you know, I mean, you can make the argument that like really every team kind of goes as far as their goaltending, but the, some, there are always some teams that are super duper reliant. You mentioned the Rangers before under Henrik Lundqvist. That's a good example. Um, you know, if the lightning get, if Andre Vasilevsky has an off game and if it's ever happened, I sure as hell have not been alerted to it or seen it. Uh, you know, the lightning will still be okay. Uh, the avalanche won the cup last year with some kind of mediocre or okay goaltending. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Islanders aren't that team, but alas, uh, you know, that was their first, I guess, I guess it was nice to give people, uh, at mullet arena, something nice to, uh, to take home, I suppose, after all of those losses <laughs> at, uh, on the road for the Coyotes. So then the next night they're playing in Vegas and Vegas like Boston, one of the best, better teams in the league. I mean, they, they only lost, I think nine games this year. It was not many. They were dealing with a lot of injuries. Jack Eichel was hurt. Um, a couple other guys were out and, uh, you thought to yourself, okay, come on, back to back travel. They were terrible. They weren't particularly good. You know, they weren't great against the Bruins, although you know, they were resilient there. This is not going to be bad. This is not going to be good. Palmieri did not play. Cal Clutterbuck did not play. Hudson Fashing and Simon Holmstrom were back in the lineup. And wouldn't you know it, in true Islanders fashion, they somehow walked out with a 5-2 win. And like you said, they didn't they didn't play particularly well. Uh, in the third period and really the second half of the game were mostly Golden Knights, but... Um, the first was was pretty even. Anders Lee had a nice shot uh, that went in in the slot. A nice pass from Anthony Beauvillier. And then uh, Casey Zizekas took a penalty right at the buzzer, the first period. So the Golden Knights opened with the power play, and bang, they score right away. Riley Smith, right? So you're like, okay, here it comes. But believe it or not, Hudson Fashing scored his first goal in however many years since his debut. And man, it was gorgeous. He looked like... I don't know, Eric Lindros or somebody like he was coming across. He got right across the the crease and just swept it underneath uh, the five hole of uh, Logan Thompson. It was a gorgeous goal. And then uh, really uh, that was a very strange thing because the Golden Knights are still playing very well. The Islanders all of a sudden had a 2-1 lead. And then Thomas, uh, Thomas Holmstrom, Simon Holmstrom has his first NHL goal. Again, beautiful shot in the slot, uh, makes it 3-1. And you're just like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I'll take it. It was late. I didn't feel like feeling bad about myself, about the Islanders. Um, but then it was Riley Smith again on a power play again early in the period. And you thought, okay, well, here we go. Now they're going to turn it on. I thought for sure Smith was going to get a hat trick. I thought for sure the Golden Knights were going to pull away. But they didn't, uh, despite a bad PK, despite giveaways, despite not being able to clear the puck. Uh, Mark Stone left with an injury, but then he came back. Varlamov left with an injury. Didn't come back. We don't know what his status is. So Roken comes in with about five minutes to go. And you're like, oh, come on. This is how they're going to lose this game. Cold goalie. 
whatever happened to Varley. We, we still have no idea what happened to Varley. We'll find out later, I guess. But credit the Islanders. They, they did get better late. Uh, Nelson and Parisi both had uh, empty net goals. They did start to kind of crank up the intensity with, you know, maybe two minutes left or so. And, and they kind of pulled, uh, pulled it together and again, walked out with a five, two win. So again, wasn't perfect, was definitely not structured in the way that we're used to with this team. But for some reason, this team gets up in a lot of cases to play really good teams. I hope I didn't just jinx them for Monday night when you're probably listening to this, but this was both surprising and somehow also completely, you know, on script for this incredibly confusing version of the Islanders in which they, they don't do, they, they do what you don't expect them to do. And then they don't do what you expect them to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works in their favor. They walk out of a tough place to win with a five, two win, but then other times they, you know, throw away points against some of the worst teams in the league. So I don't know. I don't know. You watch this one. What did you make out of it? It was again, very strange and very late at night. And so it, it almost feels like a fever dream a little bit <laughs> now that I'm talking about it. It feels like, never actually happened yeah i mean i don't know right like it's <laughs> it's everything you just described i think it's just like this team has volatile games and this was another volatile game yeah um they, they i don't think they played that great but that's not that surprising right back to back they traveled like we yeah. know that takes a toll i don't they had injuries I, i'm not I, I think that's kind of a whatever factor of this game the varlamov random by five minutes ago in the third period was classic we'll know if what's up with him like to your point i don't know whenever we see the islanders again so <laughs> which is tomorrow but or i guess today if you're listening but i you know i think that that overall like okay you kind of make up for the arizona game like no one expected mm. them to win this vegas game vegas is outstanding this year they're you're quite good at home right mm. so you, it kind of like evens out the the mess that was Friday, but I think w- where it's frustrating is mm. not a matter of like the game itself, but now it's in, like you're at a place where you have to like stretch and claw to even even like to even out a mistake, as mm-hmm. opposed to stealing something and like kind of allowing yourself more wiggle room. Like the Islanders have been who have been in a playoff spot firmly all year, coming on that mm. early you know winning streak. We're out of the playoffs heading into like a playoff spot. Yes. Into that game <laughs> and I think that was the first time in like almost two months where that was the case, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, right. Like they mm-hmm. won, but that wiggle room is gone. And yeah. so, you know, what I think we can dissect how well they played or not played or whatever. I think it, again, you can kind of write it off given the, the scenario that they were in. Uh, but I, I think it's more just like, okay, great. They went in and didn't like this road trip. Like ended up being fine, one one and one. Well, this these last mm. three games of it. So, um, I don't know. I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's just kind of like okay, cool. But mm. now with a much tougher upcoming schedule coming up, which I know we'll talk about. Yeah. You know, this is the time of the season where you like we're gonna find out if this team actually has the chops to make a real run at it or not. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought all this up, the standings and everything. So yeah, they were out of the playoff, out of a playoff spot during the game against the Golden Knights because the Caps had won earlier. Uh, right now, the Islanders lead the Caps uh, for the final wild card spot uh, by a point. The Islanders have 37 points, the Caps 36. The Rangers are ahead of the Islanders with 39. Um, but this is where it gets to start to suck. Uh, if you look at the last 10, 
for all the teams in the Metro, almost all of them have winning records over their last 10. So Carolina, actually, just before we start talking, beat the Penguins. So the Hurricanes are 9-0-1 in their last 10. And even with the loss, the Penguins are still 7-2-1 in their last 10. The Rangers, who are up 3-0 on the Blackhawks right now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are actually 7-2-1 in their last 10. So they could go to 8-2-1 with a victory there. And then the Caps, who we talked about before, yeah, they're a point behind the Islanders, but they're 7-2-1 too. So everybody's won at least seven of the last 10 games, except for the Islanders, who are 4-5-1 in their last 10. and this is just what happens, it seems like, every year where, like, you know, the Islanders will be OK. They'll hang in. They'll hang in. And all of a sudden, the usual suspects will start to pull away. And this is where things start to get really, really dicey. Um, the Caps are playing Monday night against the Red Wings, who are trying to get back into their you know own playoff position, too. Uh, right now, they're out of it. And then the Islanders also have to play Florida. We're going to talk about that in the second half, who are battling for their playoff lives as well. So. You know, again, it's just deja vu all over again. Like this happens every single year. The Islanders scrape and claw their way towards a you know pretty decent point total, but you look around and everybody else is just flying like it's nothing. Like they're like they have nothing holding them back. <laughs> you know, the Rangers are just chomping through teams. The Penguins too. Caroline is doing their thing, and all of a sudden the Caps, who looked dead and buried because everybody was hurt, are all of a sudden back in the playoff picture. So it really sucks uh, that this is the kind of lot that the Islanders have been stuck with. But as I was explaining to my wife the other day, it's always been this way. (laughs) They've always had, they've always played in this division of death, even as a Jets fan, like, you know, it was 20 years of the Patriots running the show in their division. And Oh, look at that. Now Buffalo is doing it. And it's just like, Oh, come on. You know, there's, we, we get, we have no luck here in the New York area. It's always, you know, the competition is always pretty stiff. So, uh, you know, the flyers and blue jackets right now, or I think firmly said in the last, you know, the last two places there, but uh, if the Islanders aren't lucky, they could be the best of the worst of, <laughs> of the Metro division. And uh, that's not what anybody wants. And, uh, you know, they need to start picking up some wins like these other guys have. Yeah, I think I, I, one of the things I, I think about, and you've, you've said this before, is this is an organization that really is reluctant to actually change anything ever. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if there's like, diminishing returns on that like it's great (laughs) they have this great culture and all these guys love each other and they've had legitimate success like there's Mm -hmm. no question about that but they really like they really don't rock the boat ever Mm. you know the biggest thing that they 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 did was actually an extremely unpopular move which was you know the firing of barry jots and bringing in lambert um you know but outside of that Right, like if you look at the the seasons that the Islanders have put together a hundred points uh, over the last ten years, I think there's three or four of them. Hmm. In 2014-15, they they brought in like five new players, uh, including some guys that ultimately became a core of the team or were all stars or whatever. You know, the next year they they really didn't make a lot of changes there. Um, I think they were writing you know what you know what they had done but there's still a pretty new team all things considered despite a long-standing core then diminishing returns right like they let a lot of guys go team really struggled coaching changed team really struggled the next season they had 100 points was 2018-19 which was mm-hmm. Barry Trotz's first year which again was a year that they really kind of bet big on changes and it you know it worked right. out really well now this year they did bet big with the coaching change, but not really with the on-ice roster. 
And mm. I do wonder if, you know, there are some like subconscious doldrums in a sense <laughs> happening because like, you know, there's that aspect. There's also the aspect that like from a public facing analytics perspective, this team is not very good. They are, I believe, in the bottom seven in expected mm. goals this year. Again, we talked about them being super reliant on their goaltending. I think directionally that aligns. And but what we've also seen in the past, and again, not to keep talking about them because I I know our audience here, but (laughs) the Rangers were a terrible analytics team last year until the trade deadline. They added three or four guys. And after that point, they were great. Mm -hmm. Uh, and from a, an expected goals perspective, again, directional, and they had the goaltending to back that up and they made a run. I do wonder if there's like a couple of factors that are like at play here that are kind of compounding and creating this level of like just treading water that's ongoing right now. You can't help, you can't stop other teams from going on streaks. That's going to happen throughout the year. But what I think is, (laughs) unfortunately, right. But what I think is interesting here is that the, is that the Islanders haven't really even put themselves in a position to deal with other teams going on a streak because they've been Mm -hmm. so poor over the last, you know, three, four weeks against a lot of teams that they should be beating. And so that's kind of where I think rubber meets the road in a lot of ways. Cause like you can only control what you control, what you can control and what they can control is kind of feasting on a week schedule. If they were the team that we've come to know when they've been successful, that hasn't happened. Um, and so where does that leave them? Right? Like, you were at, we're at the point already where we're watching the standings every day and be like, okay, you know, the seven <laughs> other metric teams all won, even though two of them played each other. Like, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the spot that they're in, but that to me, isn't a, a matter of those other teams playing great. It's a matter of the Islanders having that great run and then doing kind of nothing with it. They, they, yeah. they kind of really, you know, gone backwards since yeah. then. So I think there, I do wonder if there's some diminishing returns on a lot of like what their process is right now. Um, I don't know, but it's certainly yeah. something I think about as like, we are again in that, in that point of the year where it's just kind of the same. Yeah, <laughs> it does feel, I mean, it, again, yeah, it's very, very deja vu. Like we've been here, we've done this whole thing and, uh, I guess we're stuck until something changes, like you said, uh, which they, this team is not really known for. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see, I guess, uh, which you know is always a great position to be in, as we always are. Um, before we get to the break and then we talk about the upcoming schedule, uh, I want to let everybody know about something very cool that uh, you can pre-order right now. The fine folks at FOCO, makers of some uh, really, really cool merchandise, including last year's Deluxe. Matt Barzell bobblehead uh, have done it again. They've made an Anders Lee deluxe bobblehead. It is quite large. Uh, it's a pretty good likeness of Lee. They got the chin uh, chiseled correctly, it seems. And this time he's wearing the reverse retro fisherman jersey. He's on a boat. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's absolutely fantastic. And it is avail- available in very limited quantities. So I'm going to put the link in the podcast description. I'm going to put it in the article. Get to foco.com uh, and you can you'll go right to there, pre-order it. It comes out next year, uh, but you can order it right now and you can get it. And I definitely would not wait because, again, they're not making a ton of these. And uh, look around. They have other kinds of co- cool stuff, too. Hoodies and, and shirts and, and uh, 
uh, merchandise and stuff that's uh, actually really cool. So that is going to be foco.com. And I'm going to put the uh, the link in there. So check it out. It's the Anders Lee bobblehead. And uh, you're going to hear me talk about this uh, a lot in the upcoming months. So check it out. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back and look at the Islanders' upcoming schedule and uh, how they can confuse us more against three different teams coming up this week. All right. So join us on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and jerseys featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They also carry our Al Arbor and The Island merch, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can use the code ANXIETY to save 15% off your order. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Try wines from the Pinot Project. They offer a rosé, a Pinot Grigio, and a Pinot Noir that was named a 2022 Top 100 Best Buy by Wine Enthusiast Magazine. All of them are delicious. They're all priced at $15 a bottle or less, and they're all available at your local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Learn more at thepinoproject.com. Please drink responsibly. If you're going to a party, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you got coming up, New Year's, bring Pinot Project wine. You will not regret it. Okay, so the Islanders' schedule coming up uh, does not get any easier. Monday night, the evening that you're probably listening to this. Oh, by the way, they're playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, Colorado Avalanche, who have definitely not forgotten what happened at UBS Arena a couple months ago where they blew that lead uh, and lost to the Islanders, uh, and uh, they're going to want to enact revenge. It's been a weird season for the Avalanche. Dudes are hurt. Nathan McKinnon is out for a long time. Um, their record is really not that much better than the Islanders. I mean, the Islanders are 18-3-1, and the Avalanche are, uh, right now, are 16-11-2. So, I mean, they're not they're not exactly running away with uh, the division this year out there, but uh, they're still pretty dangerous, obviously. So, I just have a lot of work cut out for them. Then Thursday, it's the end of the road trip, but it's still on the road because it's at the Garden against the Rangers, uh, who are also not going to forget what happened in the previous games against the Islanders this season. And then the back-to-back on Friday at UBS Arena, it's the Florida Panthers, who, of course, beat the Islanders in their uh, opening game this year. So, these are going to be three tough games, and I would love to say that I think this, that or the other thing is going to happen in any of them, but I think as we've established so far in this episode over the previous 40 minutes or so, um, we have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen to these guys and how they're going to shake out any of these guys. I mean, they could win all of them. They could lose all of them. They could win, you know, the the easier the two. I, I don't know. Which, which of these games is even the easiest one? Is it the I guess the Panthers won, but it's a back-to-back? This Panthers are still pretty good. I don't even know. And like, you know, with, when you get to, with the Rangers, you just throw out everything because all kinds of crazy stuff happens. And obviously we saw crazy stuff happen against the Avalanche. So, I mean, again, I'll throw it back to the kind of you and the original question I asked you when we first started talking, like, like, where do you see, 
you know, with how you feel about the Islanders right now and the and the constant state of confusion, like, what do you? How do you view these games coming up? Is it just like, oh my god, I gotta I gotta get out of the house and avoid watching these things, or is it like, you know what? Maybe they got something going here and they can maybe take some points away from these guys. I think it's is Ilya Sorokin going to be the best goalie in the league, and or is Semyon Varlamov okay? <laughs> there you go. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Both, know. Both, yeah. both very pertinent questions. So definitely a good idea. Yeah, I, you know the thing with Sorokin too is like he's obviously struggled over the last mm. week, um, and you know all that talk about him being the like runaway for the Vezina Trophy is kind of quieted because of that. But he's still in the top like two or three of of uh, goal saved above average or. Or, you know, that's that in terms of like kind of quantifying expected goals versus actual goals given up. And so he's he's been unbelievable this year, even with that that stretch. So I think that like I don't know if that drives home the point of them being reliant on their goaltending or if it's just like maybe just the simple table stakes with hockey these days. But, yeah, I think the question is, is he is he going to be okay? you know, from a performance perspective, or is it maybe there's something bothering him that we don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> either way, like if this team isn't going to get the goaltending that they've gotten in the first, you know, 20 games prior to this last recent stretch, then they will not, I don't think they will be very successful regardless <laughs> of who they play. Certainly not against these three teams. One of which is the Stanley Cup champion. One of which is the hottest team in the league. And one of which is actually only reason they're not at the top of the league is their goaltending has not been good. So I, I, I think like that's that's kind of the situation right now. This is a very tough stretch coming up. They've thrown points away that they shouldn't have, and it goes back to like now we're at this point where we need to see if they're able to make that up against teams that are definitely not of the same quality of a lot of teams that they've been playing recently. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I don't want to look too far ahead, but after the Christmas break, they got to play the Penguins. <laughs> it was probably one until tonight was also one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, which is, and then Columbus who who beat the Islanders pretty well uh, a couple of games ago. Um, yeah. I mean this, you know, whenever, whenever we do these sort of look ahead sections here, you know, we always kind of have an idea of like, yeah, I think they could, they could probably win that one or that one, this one, but I, I have absolutely no idea. And, and I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about them and, so this this wave of dread is sort of washing over me, like oh my god, I'm gonna have to watch these things. I don't watch games against the Rangers, so I might skip that one uh, per my usual policy. But I'm gonna be up at nine o'clock on Monday night watching that game against the Avalanche in Denver. And again, these guys are gonna be whoever's playing for the Avalanche, whoever's healthy enough to play for them, is gonna be chomping at the bit to uh, to get back at the Islanders for what happened uh, in, uh, in Belmont a few months ago. And as far as the Panthers go, man, I mean, yeah, okay. The Islanders are a very confusing team. We've been talking about this for a lot. You know, some of the numbers don't match up. Some of the results don't match up. But to be honest, you know, and and as we always, Mike and I always point out, no, nobody cares. Like, nobody's watching this team. Nobody's, like, laid eyes on them. And anytime they come up on the 32 Thoughts podcast, the only thing they ever talk about with the Islanders is how they can't talk about the Islanders, right? So nobody, which, which is basically the, the code word for, I have no idea what's going on. It seems I haven't watched them. But people have watched the Panthers, and they don't understand what's going on down there either because this roster was sort of primed and ready to go. They got Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, okay, fine. They traded a couple of good players too. But uh, they looked sort of ready to go, and it's been anything but. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Panthers put together a run. 
in the second half, but it hasn't quite materialized yet. And so you'd like to think that the Islanders could, especially at home. Uh, I don't know if the, maybe hopefully, you know, the Panthers have maybe a game against the devils or the flyers or the Bruins or something the night before, like the Islanders do. You think that they, that would be, you know, a game where you can get some points, but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they got blown out by the Panthers at home. Cause I mean, we've watched them lose to, St. Louis and Nashville at home. Like I just we were wait not nearly as good as, as Florida is. And then again with the Rangers, you just never know. You know, I could see I could see Varlamov or Sorokin pitching a shutout. I could see the Rangers calling up some guy from Hartford pitching a shutout. I could see some guy who I didn't never heard of on the Rangers, you know, getting a hat trick or some Islander getting a hat trick. Who knows? It's it's all completely up in the air. And I can't remember a week that was this hard to predict. I really can't. It's uh, I'm sorry this had to happen, Carrie, on the day that you <laughs> you came on with us. That we don't really have, you know, we're, we're just so sitting here so confused by it. I don't even know what to say. Like, it's just. Oh, no, Dan. Just... It's fine. This is <laughs> yeah. the, this is the best, like the level of like kind of existential dread time tied with perpetual state of confusion is basically if I could put on my best leave off here, it is basically the ethos of being an Islander fan. So actually this is the best time to be on the show. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that is true. This is part of the experience after all of being an Islanders fan, but, and and this is the most of it we've gotten in a very long time. So I don't know whether to thank these guys or strangle them. As Mike said, off the top of the, <laughs> off the top of the show, love the Islanders, hate the Islanders. I think that that kind of covers it. Um, and yeah, that's about it. The, um, you know, we'll, we'll see then, you know, we're, whatever they do with these next three games, the Islanders will have three days off, uh, coming up after Christmas and then they'll be back on the 27th to play Pittsburgh. Uh, Mike and I will be back. Uh, so far the plan is to come back on the 26th and do an episode then and kind of go towards new year's and, uh, you know, kind of, I guess we'll, we, we might do a, uh, you know, superlatives of 2022 and, um, you know what, screw it. You guys let us know what you thought was the best or, you know, best thing in 2022 for the Islanders. Best goal, best save, best acquisition. I know the, the competition is stiff for that one. Uh, you know, best best moment, uh, that kind of thing uh, for 2022. So the second half of last season, the first half of this season. And uh, let us know, you know, in the replies and the comments over at Lighthouse Hockey. You could let us know and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what shakes out. And uh, Mike and I, hopefully Mike is in a an elusive state when he comes back from, from London. We have no idea what, what he's going to be like. Hopefully he doesn't come back in a, in a Dixie cup or something. I don't know. He's uh, out there living his, his best life. So this is, it's a little bit like the hangover, except there's darts involved, not Mike Tyson, I suppose. But um, yeah, so that'll be that. Um, Carrie, uh, thanks for coming on again with us. Um, what, what do you got going on? Anything uh, special? It is Hanukkah. So uh, I don't know if you got something going on for these next eight, the seven nights, but uh Anything, uh, anything new on the horizon for you? Uh, no, actually, just kind of laying low. I, mm-hmm. I don't even really know where you can find me these days. Dan, it's a miracle <laughs> that you found me. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I have a secret, the secret carry phone I pick yes. up. It's like my top phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I appreciate you having me on. I too hope that Mike is really enjoying every moment of his darts mm. experience. It's <laughs> he's earned it after watching yes. the last couple of Islander games. So. Uh, yeah, I hope he's uh, representing. Actually, I'm confident he's representing. And definitely. Uh, looking forward to hearing what what he reports back. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, I can't believe it. When when he comes back, Nikita Shosnikov might not be an Islander anymore. I completely forgot. He was put on waivers today for the purpose of terminating a contract. So if you ordered that Shosnikov jersey from uh, Isles Lab, sorry to tell you this, but 
that's going to be a collector's item, I guess, soon. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, and uh, I don't know what brought it on. And I don't think we're ever going to find out. So, no, but I do. I, I would like to call dibs on the Weird Islanders episode on Sashnikov. Oh, that, yes, <laughs> that era perfect. was something special. He's he's going to go on the list as soon as we're done, and that is the perfect perfect thing. So this is why you're our utility guy. This is why we trust you to come on and fill the incredibly large shoes of Michael Leboff because you are also attuned to how my brain works. And that is the perfect segue to remind everybody that we just put out a great episode of Weird Islanders on Friday with our friend Nick Gelia about John Van Beesbrook and Chris Terreri in the same episode, two guys that were traded for each other and both played for the Islanders in the same season. If you remember either of those guys playing for the Islanders, congratulations, you're old, just like me. But uh, the fact that they, they were traded for each other uh, and played on the same team in the same year uh, is really quite astounding. And we had, uh, we had a good time talking about those two guys. So if you want to, if you're into Islanders goalies of yore that have been forgotten, that's the episode for you. So check that out. Weird Islanders, the podcast, John Van Beesbrook and Chris Terraria. And we'll have another one on the 30th. So not this weekend, but the following weekend, we're going to wrap up with one on the 30th. So keep an eye out for that too, but we'll be back before then. Um, so yeah, Carrie, thanks a lot for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, get back to your family. Have a great holiday and uh, a great weekend. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dan. Happy holidays to you too. Take care. Thanks. And uh, if Twitter still exists, well, by the time you hear this, follow Michael Leboff at the Big Lebowski with two E's. It's great pictures there. He's, he's taking in all the darts. He's getting the cricket. He's getting the soccer, all of his favorite stuff. And he's doing it all while wearing an Islanders wavy gravy jersey. So, you know, he's, he's ready. He's dressed to the nines and representing the team as well as uh, can possibly be represented and uh, we'll be back again next week so read lighthouse hockey every single day and uh we'll talk to you when we talk to you all right thanks a lot talk to you later bye-bye